welcome to Something to Talk About, where I take all this gear that I've accumulated from way too many years of podcasting, and I put it to a good cause. This is the podcast with a cause. And actually, this is a a chat that has been in the making, I want to say, for almost a decade. But given the topic, it's actually a century in the making. So I am very fortunate to have in the basement studio, I should say, Glenn Brown, who is a theater manager for the Sanderson Center right here in Brantford. And we're going to be talking about a century of applause, which is basically a celebration of 100 years of the Sanderson Center. So welcome to the basement, Glenn. Thank you. Hi, I'm Glenn Brown. I'm manager of the Sanderson Center. I've been there for... Uh, a very long time, nearly a third of a, of a century, and uh, I had a great experience uh, being able to announce our new season, and it's it's great to be able to talk about our, our century of applause season that's coming now, up. Now, you announced this, obviously, yesterday. For those that haven't read up on it, and once again, this may be listened to a day from now, maybe listened to right now. For those that are hearing about it, what are some of the things that are coming up this particular year? Well, we've got a, a, a bigger season of programming than we have ever had before. We are doing a lot of things, both to entertain the audience, but also to commemorate 100 years of history uh, being the city's cultural center. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of programming, uh, really themed on a lot of different ideas, uh, trying to get the capture the eras of the theater, the the vaudeville era that it first opened as. So we've got some shows that would be very at home on a vaudeville stage, and then for many people of a certain age, uh, the theater is, represents their, the movie palace of Brantford, and and some, seeing some incredible movies over the years. So we're bringing back a series of films. And then finally, uh, since 1986, we have been doing performing arts as the main professional company in Brantford, and this will allow us, uh, so we'll, we'll be doing those those kinds of shows, um, filling out with some really big headlining names this year. Now, I know one for a fact, and this is the gala one, has been a get for you. I guess that's the official term. Uh, you, you, I know you, you've tripled down on this one. You know, you really, <laughs> really wanted it. The tenors. Why the tenors? The tenors. Even even their promo pictures, they are in Texas. They are they are just they, their DNA fits a gala event, and um, with with a centennial here, having it actually on the day of the anniversary of the opening. Is it? Yes. Oh my God! De- I did not know that. December twenty second, nineteen nineteen. They opened it three days before Christmas on a Monday night. See, so, you buried the lead on that one. I'm sorry to say. Oh, that well. that that you, you okay? As soon as you get home, you go on Facebook and say, "By the way." <laughs> Continue, please. So, yeah, the, the tenors, uh, they've never been to Brantford. They are huge internationally, uh, an incredible example of the arts in Canada. So they should be part of our example of the arts in Canada. Now, is this going to be a gala in the sense that it's just going to be the stage show, or is it going to be a much larger a gala, um, you know, ching, ching, here's the stuff in the hallway, <laughs> you know. Like, is it a full gala, or is it just a, a gala-ish event? So... I will, for the first time in many years, be wearing a tuxedo. I want to see that. I still so, want to see that. You'll yes. pull it off you know, beautifully. It's weird. People are split pretty evenly. I want to see you in a tux. And no, thank you. I have no interest in seeing you in a tux. But yeah, I, well, I'll be in a tux. I hope a lot of other people will be coming. Uh, obviously, it's, a, it's just a show for everyone else. Yeah. Feel free to come and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, we don't have a dress code at the theater. But, but you yeah, know what? We're if, gonna, the, if this is the night you want to dress up. Honestly, this would be the night. Like, if you're going back to, you know, the what was it like in 1919 to go out where you had one good suit? And, you, you know, because I live in an old house. There's not a lot of closet space. You had three suits and that was it. You'd take out your best. Yeah, this would be the night. But, yeah, as you it say, is. it is open to any uh, any attire. Well, Absolutely. And, you know, that's that's the thing about uh, us and our role in the community. We welcome everybody. Yep. It, it's the entire community's theater. 
and uh, we want everybody to be there to enjoy it. So outside of the tenors, there, there's three themes that, that came up. But before I get into it, it kind of breaks it down into kind of, as you said, three themes of the of the hundred years. Uh, you know, what it was like when it first started, what kind of kept it, lack of a better term, uh, in business or, or, or on the ground, uh, i.e. famous players, you know, throwing money, uh, you know, at a lot of theaters that would probably have been used up for something else. You know, I guess that's yep. kind of what I'm getting at. To the point now where the city actually owns it as a, is it historical building by designation? How does it work in that sense? Yes, it is a designated building. Um, certain parts of the building are, are historic and protected. Right. So our facade and the interior of the auditorium are, are protected. Uh, the other parts of the building we are, they're, they're heritage friendly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but not heritage protected. And is that partially so that you can accommodate stuff like getting people in and out, you know, because there, I know when there's certain heritage things you can't do, you know, and I know that if you're a theater, there are certain things that you need to modify, I guess, over time. Sure. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of things over the years that have changed. Um, um, our fire plans are not heritage fire plans. They yeah. are current fire plans. So, um, we, we need to have exits. So what, the theater, when it first opened, had 1,600 seats. Mm, mm. Now, with wider aisles and um, more exit availability, we're down to 1,125. Mm-hmm. So the, the interior changes, and uh, obviously the, there's more washrooms there than there were um, for the first 70 years of its life. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we try to maintain the appearance and the, the spirit of that original well, I'll tell you, and, and I've been fortunate enough to to, to see it, you know, uh, from the the, uh, the rafters, I guess is the proper term. I've been fortunate to have that tour. It is just a stunning building. And I know you, you we, we joke about it with a lot of empl- people that have certain jobs. It's an ideal job for you. You get to spend your days in one of the most beautiful buildings in the city, bring talent that you, in some case, love yourself. And I, it's got to be a great job. Yeah, really be careful on that. I don't want other people to start to realize how great it is and be coming no, after no, my you, job. No, 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 no. There's no one else going after oh, your job. Okay. <laughs> okay. It is, to me, Glenn is the Sanderson Center. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 you, I, I say this honestly. You've achieved a certain melding, bonding, whatnot, between that building and yourself. You are the embodiment and vice versa of that building, you know, in this city. I, I certainly feel that way a lot of times. You should, yes. Yeah, I I was there the first day that the city took ownership of it back in 1986. I was there to help tear down the movie screen that famous players left mm-hmm. um, and uh, try to turn dressing rooms back into dressing rooms. They'd been storage and, and cloak areas for the mm-hmm. ushers and things. So um, I have been there the whole time, and it, it is a place that is a second home to me. And well, you've probably spent more time there than your home, I would suspect. Yeah, I think I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't think I'm exaggerating yeah. on that. Okay, it's it's got to be nice to be able to truly um, be at one, I guess, with your job. And, and I talk to a lot of people that have found their mesh. You know, I've talked to Randy Papel, you know, 40 odd years as, yeah. a, you know, uh, Doug Hunt, uh, Randy, uh, what you call it, Rick Mann. And, you know, all these people have, have been in this basement in this chair and every single one of them has been perfectly aligned with what they have become. You know what I mean? And I love the fact that most of these chats are people that have had 20, 30 years of experience in their job because you really get to see, like, if you truly weren't in line with that place, you would have been gone, I think, a long time ago. I think so. And, Here's the great thing. There are five of us 
who mm, yes. are still working there. Yes, I should who were there, be clear in, there in 1990 for the grand opening after the restoration work when Anne Marie had her big gala. Oh my God! So that's five of us. Yeah, and there's actually about a fifth of our staff have been there at least 20 years. So it's not just me that feels yeah. that way about that place. That place inspires that in, in the people who connect with it, yeah. and and it's wonderful to find your people to have those people to, to, the, to spend your days with all the time oh, trust that, me. that have that shared vision of, wow, this place is, is something special. And, uh, yeah, it's a great experience. It's because, you know, how do I want to say this? That translates very easily, very quickly into the atmosphere. What the second you walk into that place, I've never walked into the Sanderson center feeling, well, I'm going to be blunt here, feeling like I was in Brantford. You know, it's it, I'm transported into a place that is cityless, for lack of a better term. You know what I mean? It's just imbues culture. You know, it, it's 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 that, and to be able to have the people there, uh, in some cases volunteers, I'm assuming, in in, in some cases, right? Uh, or you know, employees. There's I guess a lot of union in there as well for the yeah, actual shows. It's a mix of paid you know, staff. And yeah, exactly. Staff, yeah. But you know, there are a lot of. Well, how do I want to say it? the patrons, the the ones that that, that sign up for for the years, you know, uh, for for multiple shows or, or packages or whatnot. I'm sure some of them have probably been with the Sanderson since as long as you've been there. Probably, we definitely have some from the early '90s who yeah. are still regular patrons. Um, but I, I need to go back and, yeah, yeah, and feel free. And I need to totally disagree with you and say oh, that okay, please. That this place is not outside of Brantford. Okay. It, is, it is the the heart of Brantford. Oh, it is. There you go. It's one of the, the best examples of what Brantford can be. Ah, I like and that. And I think, um, I think that's what makes it so exciting to be from home, mm-hmm. from here, grow up here, and to share this with, with the rest of the world. When artists come to see it, they see Brantford at its best. See, and it's weird because, uh, and once again, I'm not from here, right? So that different of perspective. To me, it's, it's a reminder of something that I don't see anymore. You know what I mean? Whereas I would have seen a lot more because, you know, there's theaters all over the place type of thing, right? So uh, I do apologize in that sense. It was more meant as a, it, it, it's a throwback to something that uh, when I walk around um, here or there or whatnot, I, I can walk in there and I know, it's like a McDonald's. I know what the Big Mac's going to taste like. I know when I walk into a quality theater, whether or not it's in Australia, whether or not it's in Europe, whether or not it's in Brantford, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, there's something to be said about a well-staffed, a good-hearted environment. That is maybe, to, to, as you say, that is the embodiment of everything that is positive about culture. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in that sense, you know, as you say, Brantford does have culture. You, we've got Lauren Harris, for Christ's sakes. You know, it's, and, uh, you know, we've got quite a few people that have attended that, uh, been on that stage, uh, which maybe, I guess, is a good se- segue. In the years that you've been involved, what are some of... You know, for lack of better terms, some of the highlights that you look back. I know that the, the list is long and short in some ways, but there's got to be. There are lots, and and it's uh, it's weird. I'm, I'm at that point where there's there's so much context that I need something to trigger a memory. Yeah, to take me to a certain experience. Um, okay, well, let me put it this way: uh, comedy. When you think back at, at at comedy over the years, laughter. So Phil Hartman is from Bradford. Exactly. We had, um, shortly after he passed away, we had the Phil Hartman Comedy Festival. And the first Mm -hmm. year we had it, we had Lorne Michaels on stage. We had Dan Aykroyd. Um, That was an incredible experience to see both of those guys and get to meet them. I was stage managing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in fact, Lorne Michaels uh, really, um, he made made me sweat that day. because come on, it's Lorne Michaels. You see him at SNL and he is, uh, he's always looking, he's on the side, in the Mm -hmm. wings, he's looking out, keeping an eye on things, right? 
So I'm stage managing from the wing. And Lauren decides, no, I don't want to go and sit in the audience. I'm going to stand backstage. He stands right over my left shoulder and watches from the wing across me as I'm calling the show. Oh, that is awesome. So that's my Lauren Michaels experience. Dan Aykroyd was just an incredibly gracious, friendly guy and and, uh, incredibly funny. Um, An amazing guy to meet. And and to your point, the fact that they actually made a point uh, of coming to Brantford for that event uh, speaks volumes as well. And and I can only imagine what it feels like to have someone like Lauren Michael looking over your shoulder. Uh, I couldn't perform in a situation like that, to be honest. As you say, the sweat on my brow alone. Uh, outside of that, let's see what we got. One that I know is close to your heart, dance. Dance. You know, uh, some of the dance memories that you have yeah. in your time there. You know what? I, actually, this year is going to be making some dance memories. You've got some amazing dance stuff. We coming. do. Yeah. We, now, we've had, a, we've had some greats on the stage over the years. Uh, Karen Kane has performed. Um, but this year, we've got Brantford's own, Deborah Brown, who is an incredible choreographer, uh, both in circus and in dance. And um, she's... Uh, She's um, going to be bringing her show to open up our season. And she's got one that where she's bringing the community up on stage. She's going to be... Um, she's bringing the... Wait, wait. You're bringing the community on the stage. Right. There are some local young performers, amateurs, are going to be working with Deborah, working with her professional team to create a show that's all about Brantford in a Cirque style. And she's going to bring that to the stage. Oh, wow. And then, just because that's not enough, we decided... <laughs> Act two is going to be a work that Deborah's been developing for the last two years called Brace Yourself. So she's going to, she's been, she's premiering it here. She's going to, it'll be the world premiere here. Wow. uh, In October. Now to put in context for those that are not here and don't know, you know, her story, she's got a fairly big role internationally. She's amazing. She's, uh, she's definitely made her mark in the world uh, of Cirque. Mm -hmm. Um, She, she won an Emmy for uh, a Cirque performance that was done for, I believe the Oscars, mm. um, and then uh, and then yeah, she's she's created so many pieces for Cirque as well as the rest of her dance repertoire. Yeah, she's wow. she's a she's a legend. Now, while we're on the topic of dance, a lot of people don't necessarily think of that theater as dance, but it, it's a huge money maker for you guys, to my understanding. The amount of recitals that are coming through that place. Exactly. We Brantford has a huge uh, dance studio uh, for for young performers. Um, we have a lot of, a, a huge dance studio economy mm. and so does the, uh, the entire province and Brantford is an ideal venue for, uh, competitive dancers. Mm. We have about eight or nine weekends each spring where they'll do dance competitions for three days a year, three days a weekend. And, um, it, it brings, I think about 9,000 people to the community last year. Well, the hotels alone. So the hotels love that. The restaurants love that. Uh, some of the uh, some of the local people who are suddenly having to wait in line to get into a restaurant may not enjoy it all that well, but boy, it's pumping a lot of money into the economy. Um, it's paying for a lot of the other programming that we're doing that that doesn't support itself with ticket mm-hmm. sales. So yeah, it it has a huge impact on what we're doing. Well, I know also because quite often these people will put something on Instagram or something like uh, and tag Brantford. Like typically, if you do a tag search on Brantford, the Sanderson Center is something that comes up, and a lot of time it's the dancers that are being bussed in here or, or whatever, depending on the scale uh, of the event. But it's also I don't know what it says they're walking into, and you kind of hinted to it when you took over the famous players. Those rooms that they get prepped in and, and can use were storage rooms. And, and now, you know, you walk in there and you're feeling like you're back in that vaudeville era with all the mirrors and the da da da. And it's just that backstage atmosphere before you get in. And then you get up on that stage and the view. 
oh my God. And the audio, uh, audio is not as big, I guess, would be in dance, although music would be playing. Uh, Music's very important. I know, yeah, maybe, yeah, 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 once again, I'm ignorant in so many ways. (laughs) That's the point of this. But yeah, it's one of those things. I know the audio at the Sanderson is spellbinding. I know there's a very specific spot also there that, you know, you love, uh, that, that is like the acoustics are, are spectacular. Oh, one of my favorite things to do is to take school groups through on mm. tours. Mm. And you can always tie it into the science because uh, acoustics are all about math, all about geometry. And there's a few hot spots in the room where you can make make the sound reverb back and forth. Uh, it sound, If you're in one place it may sound like you're speaking from the ceiling hmm. and it reflects all around. And, and it's always a fun thing to do with kids. Well, you have the room to be able to pull that off, which is, I guess, a nice segue as well to the next thing that you probably have a lot of memories of. There's been a lot of bands yeah. that have played on that <laughs> stage, you know, so maybe some of your memories there. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the first the first big rock show I did was Gowan. Oh. Uh, it was the Strange Animal Tour. Yeah. So it was like about four or five months after we had opened, we didn't have any equipment. We had to rent everything in, including the generator for power. Um, it was a huge setup and, uh, it was just, it's like, wow, this is really happening here. Like, I don't need to go somewhere else yeah. to see a big name. And yeah, it was, um, that's, that's one of, that's one that always sticks Now to me. put it in context, at that point in time, there would have not necessarily been, other than maybe the civic center, a place for a Gowan to perform in Brantford. No, that was, uh, I think I think at that point, every once in a while, uh, bands would come to the Civic Center. Yeah. Uh, but it was either the Civic Center where you need to fill thousands of seats to make it work. Yeah. Or you're playing in a community center for a couple hundred people. Yeah. yeah. There was no... In between. Yeah. And no purpose-built place for it. And once again, this is a scenario where it was, to a degree, purpose-built and used for something else for a fairly long time and then reverted back to something closer to its roots in that sense. So when you think uh, Gowan, obviously, uh, you know, one of the performers from the get-go, some of the other names that have come through that, that you know, yeah, hit a chord, for lack of a better term. So I think the, the band that probably is most identified with our space and is, uh, is Blue Rodeo. I would think so, yeah. They okay. are, I think they've been there the most. They're certainly the ones I get requested the most from, from people that call me up. Um, we, we usually do two shows every time they're here. They fill the place. Um, it's just an incredible relationship we have with them. And I know they love performing in the space because of the acoustics and the art and mm-hmm. everything else, just the feel of the space. So it's, we're, we're too small a space for them. Mm. And it really doesn't make sense for them to come to a small place like yep. this. They can't make a lot of money, but they still find time every couple of years to uh, to make sure we're on their schedule so they can play the space. It, it'd be kind of cool if they ever did a live album and use that recording. That would be incredible. You know, because it, it makes sense. I'm going to have to pitch that. You know what? Why not? Yeah. Uh, uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, you know, I've said this to a few bands over the years that are amazing live and have never recorded a live album. It's like, you got to record something live. You got to record something live. If you're going to do that, why not do it at a place like that? You Absolutely. Because you, as you say, you don't compare the cost. Okay. To, to put it as a pitch, here's the pitch, <laughs> Blue Rodeo. Compare the cost of a recording studio to the recording cost of doing it at the Sanderson Center where you're basically selling tickets. Done. Why not? <laughs> why not? Um, you know, we, we've done some, a lot of TV specials, though, for, yeah. for, for groups. Um, everyone from Sharon Lewis and Bram, they had their 25th anniversary concert here, yeah. um, which was an adventure. Um, but we've also had a lot of other performers who have recorded TV specials or music videos. Um, it, it's, it's great if you can find them. And, and uh, 
um, and kind of track down a little bit of that that progression of bands using the space for video. Yeah. The the other one too, uh, I know for a fact is you've also had uh, films. Yes. Actually recorded there. Uh, the Cuban, uh, I think, was the most recent. Uh, has there been other examples of that, or, or is that the only one that, that I... Well, it's the only one I know of. I apologize. Yeah, the Cuban, actually the world's first um, HDTV uh, miniseries for TV was, was shot here. Really? It was, a, it was a, a series about the First World War uh, with Paul Gross in it called Chasing Rainbows. Oh, my God. So it was Don't shot Don't tell there. Karen she'll watch it. Well, <laughs> it's hard to find. Uh, I was trying to find stills of it, of it just to show what what it looked like back then. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was that was a big deal for us. We've we've been uh, we usually have one or two days, and a lot of uh, a lot of series or commercials shoot in the space as well. Now I know Murdoch uh, as an example shoots around. They've never used the Sanderson, have they? Yeah, we had one. Um, there was a murder in the Opera House. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was shot there um, during the summer when we were dark, and uh, lots of fun yeah. having them in in the building. We also had. Well, they're a uh, fun production crew in the yeah. Brantford as well. Yeah. They are. There, there was a, um, a a series called uh, Slings and Arrows, mm. and it was again featuring Paul Gross mm. as, as the star, uh, and it was set in a fictional Stratford Festival town. So we became the Rose Theater for their fictional mm. festival, and they shot two seasons worth of uh, of film in wow. our space. Now, outside of the area, there is uh, I guess there's a wall uh, with some photos. Uh, now, is that officially called like a wall of fame? What do you, what do you call that wall? Yeah. Okay. So a wall of fame. So th- those are what? Various people that have uh, played here or. Yeah. So we have three displays in the lobby. Okay. So maybe uh, that's the better question. And, and they're, it, they're all walls, walls of fame. And what we did when we came in in 86, um, we found that the local orchestra that was accompanying all the vaudeville acts used to collect, um, promo, fil- um, yep. pictures from them and they'd get them to sign them. Yep. And what they would do is glue them to the surfaces underneath the stage where they would store their cases and sheet music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we came in, everything was, every surface Just was wallpaper. covered. wallpaper. All the doors, yeah, yeah. all the cupboards, everything. And uh, so we were able to, to save quite a bit. Wow. That room is no longer there. Yeah. It's now an expanded orchestra pit. But we were able to save a lot of those photos, and then we, we started displaying them. And we thought, hey, we are back in the performing arts game. Let's start continuing the tradition. So we started collecting um, photos from all the people who've performed, uh, since 86. Yeah. Well, I know the only other place in the city that has something close to it is the Best Western because they've got the wall there uh, with all the people that have stayed at the Best Western. I swear there's probably a, a correlation between those two. Yeah. There's, um, I think, I think last time I was there, about 40% of those pictures <laughs> were people who were my, were at the theater. Uh, yeah. It's it, going back to, uh, to the entire uh, economic benefit, uh, you know, because we, we understand tourism. It's all about overnight stays at, at hotels. So anytime you can have an event where people are staying in Brantford, that's, that's a big thing for our economy. And I remember back in the day, uh, and this going back to the, the uh, cap, uh, tournament capital of Ontario or not, you actually came to me and you said, you know, we, I want dancing to be considered a sport because we actually bring in, you know, the same amount as a lot of these sport tourneys. And you were absolutely right. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's nice to see. Yeah, it's it's great when you look at the numbers, how, how that can impact the, the entire community, not just what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. You know, make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, we, the, the, we've talked comedy. We've talked uh, 
acting, we've talked uh, uh, dancing and uh, movies, you know, yeah. any, any other type of events that take place there or have taken place there in the last 30 years? Because once again, I've clearly made it clear that I don't know anything. <laughs> uh, is there a category that I'm missing? Yeah, uh, speakers. Speakers. I love your, your your speaker series as well, the one that you're doing in the lobby. Yes, uh, we've, we've got, had a, uh, I think this is year five for our Artists in Conversation yeah, series. Yeah, I love that one. And we just have a, a conversation um, with our host, Cameron Smiley, yep. who's from Brantford. And uh, this year we've got Valdi and Susan Glukark are coming in and they'll talk about their careers. They'll talk about what they're passionate about and, and their experiences. It's an incredibly intimate and, and, and an engaging way for the audience to connect to people outside of their performances. Yeah, I, I was thrilled by, uh, I attended the Rick Hammett one when he came to town. Yeah. And as you say, there was, you know, a hundred odd people there and all in a little, you know, uh, like half, half circle or whatnot around him. And he talked and talked and played and played and talked and talked and it was perfect. It yeah. is, is what you want. And as you say, even in that uh, entry, not entryway, lobby, I guess is the proper term, th there's still an ambiance there in that lobby outside of, of the Grand Hall. Now, this is once again not being. Oh, sorry, so yeah. before we before we leave the idea yeah. of speakers, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, there's please. also a few others that, like last year, we had Jane Goodall speak. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, I saw photos of that. Um, it strangely enough, a a woman speaking about uh, the environment and protection of habitat and and all of those things was our fastest sellout ever. It sold out in four days. Are you kidding me? No, Jane Goodall sold out. It did. Oh my god. Uh, we've had Chris Hadfield here. Oh, I, I saw that and one. Yeah. Those are things that we that we partner with uh, the James Hillier Foundation, and we they they sponsor about three hundred high school students to come in, hear it for free, and then we sell to the to the general public. Okay, so you know there you go. Uh, that is because I've heard of obviously various foundations and various names, and that that one I've heard. So that is a great idea. You know, you're now introducing um, you know bright minds to bright minds lack of a better term, yeah. you know? Uh, and as you say, the Chris Hatfield. So yeah, I don't want to discount on the fact that there are speaker series on the main. You're going to be attacked by a cat in two steps. Uh, that cat has been recorded on more of these podcasts <laughs> than anything else. If you listen to the Jason Zokes, I think all you hear is the cat purring. Yeah. Just it, so everyone out there knows it's me purring, not the cat. That's not exactly. You're talking about the Centerson Center. Why wouldn't you be <laughs> purring? <laughs> okay, so we've covered, uh, you know, the speaker series, a, a prime example, as you say. It is... No, wait, hold on. There's one we forgot. You do graduations. You do the Laurier graduations there, do you not? Isn't the convocation not taking place in the Saracen as well? Or am I completely wrong there? Uh, well, um, today, actually, uh, we had uh, Conestoga hold their first ever convocation uh, for the in, at our space. Wow. So now Conestoga's been doing it. Laurier um, did it a couple weeks ago. And most of the high schools, really everybody but Assumption, really uh, has their well. They got a fair, they got a fairly large they, stage. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fairly new school too, built wise, right? Yeah, it was kind of built to be able to accommodate that. But all the yeah. other all the other schools uh, use us for the graduation. Yeah, we do the we use Assumption for the thank event luncheon because it's it's perfectly sized for it, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, because it occurred to me that that is a lot of uh, quite often I'll walk downtown and you know it'll be that time of the year and all you see the, the kids and the parents and whatnot. All of these people are being introduced to that building. You know, and it's funny because when I graduated in Thunder Bay, it was the same thing. It was in an arts place. And you just remember that, you know? Yeah. So um, Laurier is a special case because Laurier also does their orientation week for first-year students. They do? They, um, they hold their first kickoff meeting in our, in our space. They do some orientation week events through the year. And we always, we've always got these signs up saying, you know, in a few short years, you'll be crossing the stage. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, 
and it's just amazing to be able to close the loop yeah. and, and have them walk out those doors with, with that, uh, um, that it, it, it's an experience. Well, going back to, you know, as you say, uh, there's a lot of what is Brantford right now linked to uh, the school system that's taking place, you know, the universities and the campuses and stuff like that is a big part of what, you know, downtown Brantford is right now. So to have them be able to uh, start and end their journey, uh, you know, uh, educationally wise in Brantford at the Sanderson Center. If the Sanderson Center wasn't there, I, where would you do it? You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where ask yourself the question, if this building did not exist and you wanted these things, where would it be? There's not an answer in many cases. So let's hope we never go down that no, road. No, yeah. but I think that's why I think we never will go down that road is the <laughs> point being, right? You, you need, okay, to use the words that you kind of threw back at me when, when I got <laughs> it wrong, you need a place that is the embodiment, that is everything that is good and culturally you know, uh, significant to the region. And, you know, as you say, the Sanderson Center is one of those places, you know, uh, Walter's Basement would be another one, but yeah. you know what I mean? It, it's it's up there, you know what I mean? Oh, there's a great memory is Kevin oh. Smith. Oh, my God. So Kevin Smith yep. loves Walter. Yep. And uh, even came up to do the uh, the um, street hockey tournament. Yep. And uh, booked a couple shows with us while he was in town. And so, yeah, that was an experience because he was... All he could talk about was Walter. Yep. And everyone else is just Kevin Smith. This is incredible. So yeah, it's good to see. It's good to see stars starstruck. Yeah. I don't know if you actually know this, but uh, the reason that I'm in Brantford is because of that hockey tournament. I came to see Kevin Smith play <laughs> in Brantford. I didn't know what Brantford was. I, I knew there was a, a casino. That's about the extent of it, you know, because, and, and I'm going to be very Toronto-ish in, in my verb. Like, this is 10 years ago, so put it in context. Um, Brantford, where's Brantford, right? So you drive from Toronto to Brantford because you want to see this hockey tournament because Kevin Smith is in town in Brantford. And you're like, why is he not in Toronto? Come on, you know. <laughs> so you drive from Toronto to Brantford, you get off on the Wayne Gretzky Parkway, and you go, oh, Wayne Gretzky Parkway, that is awesome. You know, I'm, I'm, there's a Wayne Gretzky you know, uh, significant because once again, I, I I didn't know much, right? You know, you know, unless you're from Brantford, you probably don't know that this is the birthplace in many cases. You know, unless you're really into the the niche, right? So it's like I'm being introduced through driving in here, and we drive by the McDonald's. I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to get a couple of Big Macs because you know Kevin Smith, yeah, I gotta have some Big Macs. And it was the year that he parked the bus uh, because he wasn't allowed to fly anymore after the Southwest thing, and he had the bus, and I'm leaning against. Uh, uh, BHI at uh, the building uh, at the hockey thing yep. and I look to my left and there's Karen and Karen looks over to me sees me wow she says oh shit I say oh shit our first date was that night at the Sanderson Center for the <laughs> second podcast recording of Kevin Smith well, I left that night thinking... On behalf of all of us, you are, we, you are welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So, so for all the negative things that I may be able to say about Brantford, because I do have a love-hate relationship uh, with the city, you know, and I've expressed that to Dave, and I've expressed it to a lot of people, the love that I have uh, is definitely linked to that Kevin Smith Sanderson. If it was not for the Sanderson Center, I would not have had my first date with Karen, and you are in Karen's basement right now. So, hey, Sanderson Center. So... What I want to do is kind of recap a lot of what we talked about yeah. into something. And I like the idea of talking about the vaudeville, the film, and the performances, because that's kind of been the, the, the theme structure that, that you've set up uh, for it. So uh, maybe start from the beginning. Going back to 1919, a building was, was built, and you were saying that it was built a couple of uh, days before Christmas. So start at the beginning. Okay. So start at the begin beginning. There were three other theaters running at the time. 
and it was just post First World War. People were coming back to, to the community. There was a lot of uh, um, excitement and pride in Brantford. And that's one of the reasons that they built this. They created a corporation to run all these and build this space that would attract first-run movies and the Keith Vaudeville circuit. So this was all about putting Brantford on the map to have a space like this. Um, and the tagline for the Temple Theater when it was first built was Brantford Supreme Playhouse, which is one I think we should start using again because it still works. But um, yeah, so th that was the origins of it. It was very much about um, pride in, in, in the community and, and serving all of these people that it was a third the size at, at the time, but it supported four movie theaters or four theaters. Um, and uh, so it, it brought in, like I said, Keith Vaudeville Circuit. It uh, brought in uh, United, United Artist Movies and, and really was very prestigious. And, uh, and that's kind of how things started. At that point in time, you know, much like everything else, vaudeville kind of changed. At what point in time did it kind of stop being, like, what, self-sufficient? Or was it just the interest weighted? Or, well... I think there's probably a lot of things. I think I think the technology caught up uh, with sound in movies, mm -hmm. and I think that um, people's tastes changed. That instead of going to discover something that was in your town for three days, um, it became about sharing the big cultural experience of the blockbuster movies mm -hmm. and, the, and the the Hollywood machine. So I think people were shifting their tastes there as well as, well as when the uh, technology was catching up. And so in the late 20s, vaudeville started to fade away and movies became more and more full-time until eventually famous players came on the scene, snapped up the theater and started and, and just kind of closed down the theater stage and ran movies. So at that point in time, uh, you know, the, the building being what it is, um, it, it's a perfectly good place to watch movies, I would suspect. You don't have the gear there anymore as, as it did back in the day. So how long was it a movie theater in that sense? Until, what, the 60s? No, it was a movie theater right up until 86. 86, wow. So it was almost 60 years. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Now, was that the... Because, once again, I'm thinking in terms of what was operating. 80s were still fairly big in terms of movie theaters, but you probably started seeing them fizzle around that time. How many movie theaters were, were in Bradford at that time, Frank? Oh, I'm not sure. Um, uh, we were the only one that was a single screen. Oh, okay. So it was the era of the multiplex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so even in the 70s, there was a lot of talk about, we don't need this big space. We should, we, we should carve it up into smaller theaters. Yeah, yeah. And so there was a lot of community discussion about that, about saving this big, beautiful hall. As, instead of letting it be cut up. Now, once again, not being from here, uh, there was a fire or something also at some point, or is part of the building not still there? Like, a, there, there's the parking lot next to it, and I, I believe at one point in time, wasn't that part of the building, or am I wrong oh, there? Okay, so um, that was well after we had become a performing arts center. Okay. In 2004, there, uh, Laurier was creating some student housing, mm -hmm. And uh, Ludlow's menswear had closed right beside us. Gotcha. And it was being converted into housing. During the construction project, it uh, caught fire. Uh -huh. And uh, we, thanks to some amazing Brantford firefighters, we were able to save the building with only smoke and water damage. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so, because I, once again, not being from here, so uh, to, to put it in context here, so you have already taken it over uh, as the Sanderson Center, reverting it back to something closer to what it was intended for. Uh, your neighbor, for all intents and purposes, caught fire. Uh, we could have lost the, the Sanderson Center right there, you know. 
It was a long night. Yeah. Um, now you, as you say, this would this was on your on your tenure. You you had already started with them at this point. Yeah, I um, I had uh, uh, gone from being a stagehand to being technical director by that point. So. Yeah. I was the technical director and uh, first one on scene that got the call from the fire department. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a very long night. Oh my god, I can only imagine. And and once again, I know your heart's in that building. You know what I mean? And I'm glad you still have it with you. So we we kind of hinted at it. Uh, it went from vaudeville. It went into films. It went into performances. And now that it's the 100th year, you're kind of bringing all three of those themes into your schedule. Absolutely, we want to celebrate all of them because they all connected to the community in their own way. One of the things I didn't mention during those film years yep. um, was that the stage wasn't completely lost. It was still used every once in a while. The symphony orchestra would do four, four concerts a year. They would push the screen to the back wall. The symphony would come out and, and play. And uh, the, a, lot of the, a lot of the bigger, like Massey's, would have uh, their Christmas parties mm-hmm. for their employees and their employees' fam- families. So it was still used by the community outside of that movie style, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. But it's interesting. You're saying you could they were actually able to push the screen back. It wasn't a scenario like you would have in a multiplex now, where the screen is part of the building for all intents and purposes. Exactly. Well, okay. I didn't. Once again, you, the things you learned through all this. So, um, from a vaudeville point of view, uh, celebrating one one hundred year, what are some of the vaudevillian inspired things that are coming up uh, in the next year? Well, I'll do a quick call back to Deborah Brown's show because that it. is very much in a vaudeville circus theme. Yeah. Um, so vaudeville had a lot of variety and comedy and and um, spectacles. So we we try to recover that. We've got a lot of comedy coming in. Um, Howie Mandel is one of our bigger ones. Brent Butt. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I'm really curious about, and I haven't seen anything about it other than descriptions is a show called Hiprov, which I think is a perfect vaudeville show. We've uh, got, uh, tell me more. We've got a hypnotist yeah. who brings audience up from the, on the stage, yeah. hypnotizes them in the first act, teaches them how to be improv comedians. And then Colin Mockery comes out and works with the other improv comedians. So our audience is going to be doing improv with Colin Mockery. That is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. That's, that is, that is so vaudeville. Actually, when you think of Colin Mockery, he would have been, a, he would have been vaudeville. Absolutely. In the pure sense. Uh, film, something you're introducing, uh, well, maybe, I don't know if you've done it before, but it's definitely part of the schedule, bringing movies to the theater. Yeah, we've got a film series this year. We, uh, we looked at that era when it was the Capitol Theater and movies were, was its business. And so we're bringing back six shows. We're going to show them on Sunday afternoons. And uh, we just got some shows from those eras. Now, are you doing that as a rear projector type of scenario because of the facility, or you actually got a projector in play there? How's this going to work out? We have a full-size screen at the front of the stage. Yeah. It's about two-thirds the width of the stage, and uh, a, a bright projector from, from the projection booth. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we, we did do some amazing film there. Wow. Once again. We, when we had yeah. uh, Jane Goodall last year, she had a uh, National Geographic biography on her. And so this whole documentary we screened for students. Oh, so, so, so it's perfect. Beautiful full stage experience. Okay, so so once again, you're, you're going to feel what it was like when it was in the purest sense of film and whatnot. And we all, yeah, please yeah, continue. We've got everything but surround sound. Wow, come on, let's let's be honest. Sometimes the atmosphere and the uh, let me put it this way, I am pretty sure that that facility will give you a sound experience <laughs> that will trump uh, a surround sound without actually needing to be, you know, technically 
you know what I'm getting at. I do. Yes, thank you. Uh, we, we now get into performances, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So the performances are kind of what we've been doing since 86. Yeah. And so we've got a lot of music. We've got some really big names and uh, uh, people like Burton Cummings. Um, Kim Mitchell will be mm-hmm. here. And uh, um, Natalie McMaster and Danelle Leahy will be here. And a lot of other great shows, both on the main stage and in that intimate lobby space. Mm -hmm. And I love the intimate lobby space. Once again, just everything about that building uh, is purposeful in that sense. Um, You also, just to recap it, the gala. The gala. The gala. On the real birthday, which apparently I did not hit enough for you. Well, you know what? Let's hit it one more time. Let's hit that to the ground. December 22nd, 2019, the 100th birthday. We will be having a gala celebration featuring the, the tenors. On the Christmas actual show. 100th anniversary. Well, actually, yes, wow, it is. Wow, wow, yeah. what a concept. <laughs> that must, to be able to schedule that, though, that, that, I, the, the sweat on your brow must have been tremendous <laughs> for a while. Um, I was, uh, I was telling everybody, it's all you need is nerves of steel. Yeah. All you need is nerves of steel because it came down to the wire to, to make it happen. And uh, fortunately, everything fell into place. Yeah. Well, you know what? Sometimes the good things do. They really do. What do people have to look forward to for the next hundred years? Well, I think um, it's taken a lot to get us to the point where we can announce this season and mm. introduce it to the community. And now the community is going to take it and decide what they like. So we've, we've got to let that happen. But while that's happening, yes, I'm, I'm already turning to next year mm-hmm. and trying to navigate, okay, it won't be a hundred birthday, but I don't want to disappoint anybody by really dropping yeah. the ball on what we're doing this year. So trying to navigate that process and, and deliver an exciting season next year, that's my next show. Well, it's, it was the, like the soft, uh, sophomore album or whatnot. It's the yeah. follow-up. That's always the str- more more stressful sometimes. But uh, I generally think uh, outside of, of ceremonial years or whatnot, there has not been a bad year at the Sanderson. You know, like I, I'm, I'm a hermit in many ways. So for me to get out, you know, is a big thing. But I talk to enough people that are, you know, involved in the process and whatnot. You're always bringing in someone. And, you know, you mentioned the Jane Goodall. That, that's someone I wouldn't have even thought uh, to see you know, on the stage. And as you say, the top seller, the fastest seller. Yeah. Not something you probably woke up that day on a long list of things that you booked that year and say, this is going to be the fastest seller, period. No. No. You know, so you never really know. Sometimes it's not the one that you plan that surprises, I guess is what I'm saying. But uh, exactly, you do have a great hundred years. And I got to say, it's fortunate to come across some people that have been able to uh, truly meld uh, with their workplace and what they do. And you, you clearly love what you do. And I hopefully you don't stop anytime soon. Absolutely. And one of my favorite things is every morning I park on the far side of the theater and I need to walk all the way through the auditorium to get to my office. And I get to go back and forth a few times during the day. So I always get that little break of being in that space and just experiencing it and enjoying it. Yeah, you have to. you got to smell the roses for lack of a better term, right? Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you.